new feature to the show it's called artist of the month and our artist that is sponsoring the show this month is a good buddy of mine mr aaron tanner i need y'all to go look him up on all his social medias uh aaron tanner music on instagram aaron tanner music on facebook uh aaron tanner music.com his tiktok surprise aaron tanner my dude likes to mix gospel and some honky-tonk music. I've had him in the studio a couple times. He's a cool dude. So y'all please go check him out. If any of y'all are interested in booking him, email him at batanner, T-A-N-N-E-R, 89 at gmail.com or call him at 912-246-4977. Aaron Tanner is our artist of the month for January 2023. How about some cowboy stuff? My buddy, old friend, Chris Sapp, owner of Desperado and Company over at the Puller Tanger Outlet Mall. They are in Suite 611. They offer all kind of Western wear. Boots, toddlers, youth, women's, men's, everything. They have Ariat wallets, phone cases, men and women's jewelry, uh, Montana silversmith, belt buckles, Ariat belts for men. They offer clinch, Ariat and Wrangler are their main brands of clothes. Lots of exotic boots. Uh, guys, I saw some of the stuff that they're bringing me and some of the stuff I get to try on. Let me tell you, there's a lot of great Western wear places that are up in Nashville that I get to go to. This place compares to every single one of them. So what I need you guys to do is look up Desperado and Company, Chris Sapp. Their phone number is 912 912- Six zero four zero three eight nine. Go check them out. Get all turquoise the hell up. Get all westerned up. Look like a cowboy cowgirl. Western fashion is the coolest shit to me, by the way. And uh, the fact that they're on board as a sponsor now, I can't wait to try on some of the stuff that he has sent me and everything that they have sent me in pictures uh, to get my size in. Dude, it's all banging. It's all awesome. So look up Desperado and Company now. Mr. Chris Sapp, once again, the Puller Tanger Outlet Mall, Suite 611. Now, a couple days ago, I did a show with Miss Lori from Lori's Dive-In over in Alamo. She brought me and Gracie all types of food, even a keto pizza, a cauliflower pizza. I've never ate anything like that before in my life. And let me tell you, it was banging. The wings were amazing. She does this special mix-up with lemon pepper and buffalo, and it's out of this world. Her wings are cooked better than almost any place I've ever been. Um, let's see, what else did she bring us? She brought us fried Oreos. She brought us fried pickles. Uh, the barbecue was awesome. The hamburger was banging. When you go there, too, folks, you can go back and listen to the whole episode between me and her. 
Her staff is awesome. You feel like you're at home. It's just the best little place around. I know whenever we go through Alamo or I'm going down 16, I'm going to divert myself to go get lunch there. Y'all please go check her out. Her phone number is 912-568-1645. It's on Commerce Street over in Alamo. You can't miss it. It's Lori's Dive-In. Go get fed good. Go get treated good. You're not going to get better service from better people anywhere around here. So go check her out now. Let me tell you guys about the baddest insurance agent around these parts, Miss Jenna Carr. She's an alpha insurance agent. She handles home, auto, life, and business. She's located in Macon, Georgia at 3312 Northside Drive. Sweet C-160. Uh, let me tell you about Miss Jenna. Not only is she just the sweetest, cutest damn thing you ever seen, but she takes care of business like a true professional. I love dealing with her. Uh, she's done got me hooked up with life insurance because, let's be honest, I'm going to need it. And uh, every time I've ever dealt with her, a complete pleasure. So, y'all do me a favor now. Give her a call and go look her up on social media. Jenna Carr, Alpha Insurance Agency. And that phone number in Macon is 478-621-7065. Tell her that you need the same package, home, life, auto, all that good stuff that she hooked me up with. What's up, folks? Thank y'all for tuning in to the Josh Terry Podcast. Uh, I promised y'all a lot of different episodes this year. We started off with Georgette Jones already in our second show of the year is, uh, Miss Kayla from the true crimes exposed podcast. Uh, she was on last year and we had a good time. And, uh, so I've been trying to get her back for a while. She keeps, you know, being shady <laughs> as hell towards me. So I'm glad, I'm glad you've made time for me. I am glad we finally made it. I'm sure, you know, just like as a podcaster, it is a busy life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Is this what you're doing full-time now? Um, I'm still not doing it totally full-time. I'm, but I work at home just working with a few clients. So I still do that, but I'm doing a lot of podcasting. That's cool. I've seen it. You even uh, recently got like an award, didn't you? Yes. So we got little local award this past summer, um, with the post register to newspaper here. And they do this really big contest, the best of Idaho falls, um, and I've seen it for years, long before I ever was podcasting. And so our podcast did get nominated. And then I was super annoying and posted it every single day <laughs> on my socials. I'm like, sorry, guys, sending it to my family every day. I'm like, I know I'm the most annoying person ever. Um, I didn't think that we would get it, but we did. So I was I was excited about well, that. We got to go to a little event and everything. Well, congratulations. Uh, I'll, I'll never get anything like that local. Yeah, I, I've, <laughs> I've I've got something that's been statewide, but that's I won't awesome. I, I won't get anything local because my community fucking hates me. Oh my gosh! Are, well, are you in Nashville? No, no, no. I record no, a lot. Not. I record a lot in okay. Nashville. Okay. But uh, my actual studio is in Cochran, Georgia. I'm in the Bible Belt. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and they don't like me. Yeah. They. <laughs> well, it's all right, I, I you shouldn't. Know? I shouldn't say that. There's some of them that really like me and support this show. We have a lot of local businesses that sponsor the show, and they're all cool as hell. But uh, right. any anybody that's old school government around here, they're not giving me shit. Oh, yeah. 
I can't I, even imagine. I don't blame you know what? Them. I, I would your thing. Keep fighting back. <laughs> I wouldn't give my fat ass nothing either. So uh, I was uh, thinking, yeah, no, I you, was thinking you were in Nashville and I was going to say that, well, that'd be tough competition in Nashville. Cause there's so much talent and everything out there, but Nashville, I'm more at home. That's why like, if I could live up there, I would, uh, yeah. I've got a better, it's so fucking stupid. I have a better reputation in Nashville than I do in my hometown. <laughs> You're like, hey, I'm coming to Nashville. Nashville yeah, I, I, is your hometown. You're just living in Georgia. That's pretty much what it is now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm up there at least one week out of every month. And let me tell you, I go there and it's just like going home. It's like I'm on, yeah. vac- I'm on vacation when I'm not in Nashville. Yes. What's that cliche saying? Like home is where the heart is. Well, that's where <laughs> that the fuck is it Nashville is. Nashville for you. That is. So uh, mm-hmm. when I first reached out to you a couple of weeks ago, um, it was about the Idaho murders because you're in Idaho, obviously. Right. So it's yeah. it, it's that's kind of hitting close to home. It is. And this has all happened. The quadruple homicide um, is in Moscow, Idaho, at the University of Idaho. And that's in northern Idaho. So it's quite a distance from where I'm at in southeast Idaho. But there's just something about hearing um, about something so huge in your state so it's hit so close to home i everyone i know is like shocked by it and we're in idaho so i said once on one of the podcast episodes we did covering it this case is like you always hear in true crime like it's a safe town and it's so cliche to say that like no one knocks their doors but we that's really what it's like here like you really do have a sense of safety and so it's totally rocked the community statewide. Yeah, I've never heard anything, and I don't mean this, no disrespect, never heard anything good or bad about Idaho. I, like, I've never like, heard. we're just here. Yeah, like I've never heard anything about it. So I can imagine what it's been like the past couple months since all this shit happened. Absolutely. And yeah, I think there's like this hilarious conspiracy that like Idaho doesn't exist. I I, my friends have talked about it. And they're like, that's like on the internet Idaho's just like not a thing has anyone been to Idaho like we really are so neutral and just kind of here and so for something like a quadruple homicide I mean in general even with me being in the true crime community that's like very extreme to hear of four people being murdered in their home by a stranger it's just it's not likely to happen let alone here in Idaho it just goes to show these things happen everywhere. Yeah, see, where I live at down in Georgia, uh, a quadruple, whatever it is, homicide. I mean, you you would notice it, but we live so close to fucking Atlanta to where there's, right. so, there's somebody getting off every single day. We would just be numb to it. Right. Where you're like hearing about these homicides daily. Yeah. It's like more normal to just run across. Yeah, no, it's it's huge here. Um, it's like so sad. Everyone's just kind of on edge. You just like watch the coverage and you're heartbroken for the kids. Like they, most of them were from Idaho. Three of them, the three girls were from Idaho. And then the one boy was from Pullman, not Pullman. That's the murderer. Wow. The boy was from Washington though. Um, which is just very close right there by the Northern Idaho border. 
Okay, so for all of those, including myself, that don't really know exactly what happened or what's been found out so far, kind of give them a rundown if they don't know what we're talking about. Okay, yes. So there were four college kids. They are they were attending the University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho. Three girls live together. There, they, there were five girls total that live in this house. Um, and then staying over that night was one of the girls' boyfriends. So they had all kind of gone out that night, gone their separate ways. A couple of the girls were at a bar that night. Um, the girlfriend and boyfriend were at a fraternity house party. Um, and then the two surviving roommates, I'm not sure where they were, but they were out that night as well. Everyone ends up making it home by about 2 a.m. And then around 4 a.m. that night, somebody comes into their home and the next day they are discovered murdered, except for two of the roommates. So two surviving roommates discover the other roommates murdered three girls, one boy, it's Madison Mogan and Kaylee Goncalves. They were best friends. They were in the same room in the same bed. And then Ethan Chapin and Zana Kernodle, they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and they were found in Zana's room. So that alone, it spread throughout the community so quickly because these two surviving roommates, obviously they're there. I think they talked to their friends about it. Of course, it spreads fast because I ended up hearing about it, not from the news, um, but down. I was actually covering randomly covering the shift at a barbershop I used to work at years ago. My old boss had gone out of town. So I went into the barbershop just to help her out. And it was the day after the bodies were found. And this guy was in his son was it's like the student body president at the University of Idaho. And he just started asking, like, have you guys seen that these four kids were murdered up there? So, of course, it piqued my interest. I'm like, I have not seen that. Um, and I went online and it was true, but they hadn't confirmed. He had told me they were all stabbed to death online. It hadn't confirmed that yet. And so to me, it was so unbelievable that four kids would be stabbed to death in their home like it. I mean, when you're just thinking about it from an outside perspective, it's like, how is that possible? Yeah. So I didn't really believe him. I thought maybe it was a rumor. Maybe they died this other way. But the next day, it ended up being confirmed that those four were stabbed to death in their home. God. And it took them a while to actually kind of figure out what was going on, didn't they? They recently got somebody into custody, right? Yes. So it took six weeks, which honestly, being in the community... I feel like that's so quick, but I think because it was such a huge thing and everyone was wanting answers so quickly, it felt like forever, you know, and they were very cagey with information because they're wanting to keep the integrity of the investigation, but to the public, I mean, it, it just made rumors fly. It had people like coming up with all sorts of theories, um, and then people were really critical of the law enforcement because they're like, we want to know more, but we have to remember, like they didn't owe us any information and they clearly did the right thing because yes, like six days, six weeks later, I, I think I heard 47 days after the murders, they were able to arrest Brian Koberger. He was arrested in Pennsylvania at his parents' house. And he was a student at Washington state university which is just about 10 minutes away from University of Idaho. And he was living in Pullman, Washington. His apartment, I think, is about a 12-minute drive to the victim's home. 
And yeah, they arrested him and they just extradited him back to Idaho a couple days ago. And then they released this arrest affidavit, um, which actually gave a lot of insight into that night and what had happened. It, it was one of the most shocking arrest affidavits I've ever read. Well, what all did the affidavit say? I know, I know you probably can't go yeah. word for word with it, but can you right. paraphrase a little bit for me? Yeah, there were some really huge things in there. So the first, um, they kind of walk through, it's an officer who's, you know, writing it out. So he's kind of detailing when he got there is how it starts out. He, you know, goes into the home. He finds the victims that are on the second floor. Zana and her boyfriend um, are on the second floor in Zana's bedroom. So that's the first victims he comes to. Zana is on the floor and they don't say where Ethan is. There's a part of this um, right about there where it's redacted. I think they're talking about injuries and whatnot. So there's this big part that is taken out that we weren't able to see, um, but it was interesting information to find out that Zana was on the floor. Her dad had weeks earlier said that she did have defensive wounds. Um, and so that did lead people to believe she had woken up, but we find out that she was actually awake. So then he, the officer goes up to the third floor and that is where the other two girls are found. They are in Madison Mogan's bedroom. They are in the same bed together. Um, and then there, there was a sheath, a knife sheath, sheath that was left there. Um, and that's how they find DNA. There's a single source of male DNA on the button for the knife sheath. Um, basically what they found out through their investigation in this arrest affidavit is that, um, there was a DoorDash, Zana ordered DoorDash and it was to her house by 4am. So that confirms for all of us that they are still awake by 4am, not awake, sorry, alive by 4am. A lot of people thought they had died between three and 4am. That was kind of the original thought and the, what they were originally saying. So they are actually alive by 4 a.m. Um, and then police are able to see this Brian Koberger. He drives his car. He's a criminology student at Washington State University, right? So everyone's been talking about how he's so smart and so intelligent. But, you know, like he's really not. He's really seems <laughs> like just a straight dumbass to me. He drives his car by their house four times, four times. I'm like, you, you're studying technology. How, how, <laughs> how do they, how did they know that ring cam or something? Yeah. I think there's surveillance video. And so okay. they see his car pass by four times and he parks at four Oh four AM. So DoorDash delivers at four. Brian p- passes a bunch of times through that time and then parks his car at four Oh four AM. So, um, Around this time, one of the surviving roommates, she's on the second floor. So she's on the same floor as Zana and Ethan. Her um, bedroom is right next to the stairs that go up to the third floor and right next to the kitchen and the back sliding door. So she's woken up around 4 a.m. to what she thinks at that time is Kaylee Goncalves playing with her dog Murphy upstairs. So Kaylee and Madison's bedrooms were upstairs. The dog is found in Kaylee's bedroom, but unharmed and hadn't been a part of the crime scene. I think, and this is my personal opinion, I'm not sure how the dog got in there, but I assume 
she went out for the night and she lives with a bunch of roommates. So she probably had just put her dog into her room while she went out for the night. And then she ends up crashing into her friend's bedroom for whatever reason. So she wakes up to what she thinks is Kaylee playing with the dog. We can probably assume that that's not the case. She's probably woken up to a struggle going on upstairs where he is murdering Madison and Kaylee. So she wakes up to that and she, you know, gets up and she opens her bedroom door. And this is all laid out in the arrest affidavit. So she opens her door one time, then she closes it. And it's a little bit after this that she hears somebody say, she thought it was Kaylee who said it, um, but she hears someone say, there's someone here. Police actually seem to believe that it wasn't Kaylee who said it, but that it was actually Zana who said this. Zana's on the second floor. Um, and they believe this because her phone, she's scrolling on TikTok at 4.12 a.m. So she's likely awake on the second floor Why the murders on the third floor are taking place. So this Dylan girl hears that. And then shortly after, she hears a male voice say, it's okay, I'm going to help you. And then she starts to hear what she thinks is Xana crying. Um, so she goes and she actually opens her door a second time just to kind of see if anything's going on. And then she closes her door. She doesn't see anything. Um, this is confirmed um, that it likely was Xana crying because there is a doorbell or an outside video surveillance camera that about the same time actually catches I don't know what triggered the camera to come on, but they hear, and this camera's directly across from Zana's bedroom wall. So outside of Zana's bedroom, across from it. And what you hear on that camera is what they describe as whimpering and then a loud thud. So that happens. And then she decides to open the door for a third time. She must, you know, she's probably just keeps hearing things. So she opens the door for a third time. Now, I don't know if she's peeking out the crack of a door. I don't know if she fully goes into the hallway. It's not totally described. And this is really shocking for everybody, but she does see the guy. So you would pass her bedroom from Zana's room or why, from the. Why didn't they stop in the, like the surviving people's bedroom? I don't know. And that's like, so this affidavit creates so much insight, but then also so many more questions because why didn't he kill her? I wonder too, like she is so lucky. And I say that with lucky in this situation, like she's not just lucky in life to have this happen. Well, well, let me ask you because I'm sitting here and, uh, cause I haven't done any of the research like you have. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm finding out my research through you. Yes, and, but like it me, if I keep hearing something like that, and I've opened the door three times, I'm going to look and see what it is. To me, that like have let me ask you this: Have the surviving people been like completely exonerated or whatever from having anything to do with this? Yes, the police okay. have cleared them, and so I think it does raise the questions for everyone. Where it's like a very odd thing, right? Because yeah. he actually passes by her, so she sees him in a mask. She sees him walk by her. She's able to describe him to police what he looks like that he has. If, he, eyebrows. if, he, if he's in a mask, how can she describe him? Well, she described him as like he was like about 5'10". He was oh, okay. muscular. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he Got had you. bushy eyebrows. He's dressed in all black. And then she says he walked by her. 
and out the door. Now, I don't know if he saw her or if he didn't see her again, like maybe she's peeking out the door. I, I don't know. Yeah, I got you. It's so hard to like kind of dissect, but they were all drinking that night. They had all been out partying. It's 4 a.m. I don't know if she's in shock when she sees this happen and kind of putting two and two together. I'm not sure if she is just like, that's weird. Like who, who did my roommates have over? Of course he's in a mask. So that's really weird, but this is a party house. So people were in and out of their house actually all the time. Yeah. Like they were known to have a lot of people in and out. So and people are like, well, her roommate was crying. I mean, there's five girls that live in this house. Is it totally unlikely that you would hear girls crying sometimes? You know, it doesn't ever say she's hearing screaming or she's hearing like that's, anything. That's, crazy. that's it's, it's just weird to me. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I get that they're all drunk uh -huh. if, they, if they've been out. So that that kind of makes it make it make a little bit more sense. But if you get fucking stabbed, you're hollering. Like, I know. And that's um, what, like it's just very confusing. So there's three there's three stories. Right? There's three stories. And, and he ki he killed the ones that were on the top in the middle. Yes. And then there was a roommate asleep downstairs in the first bedroom. So did they say how he got up to the top? Um, I think he just went up the stairs, which he would pass by this Dylan girl's room, go up the there's stairs. There's no way. There's no way this dude hadn't been in this house before. I so it doesn't sound like he has been, but I just did this thing on and I don't know for sure. You know, yeah. police haven't said whether he had been there before or not. I don't think he had from what I've read, but I just did this walkthrough on Zillow, a yeah. 3D walkthrough so that I could understand where the victims were found, where this roommate that saw him was all of that. Um, and this is a house that was often rented. So I would assume it was on Zillow always. Yeah. So could he have gone on? Could he have chosen this house? Could he have maybe chosen the victims and then figured out where they lived? Either way, I could see him Googling the address, doing something like this, this walkthrough where he knows where they're at. Or maybe he did know them. That's not information really yeah. that they've put out yet. Maybe he had been over there before. I don't know. You said it was He's... a party house. I'm guaranteeing you this guy <laughs> had been there before at a party. Possibly. He was a very odd guy. So, and I I do think he possibly could have been. Yeah. Um, I think if he was, it wasn't through necessarily like them being friends with him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get but it. Like a, th a showed... third party. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's what I mean. Like he saw it on Facebook or whatever, TikTok, mm -hmm. that they were having a party. And either he just shows the fuck up regardless, or he's got a friend of a friend yeah. that, that invited him. He's, yeah. That's just uh, like, and that's totally a possibility. It's, we it's weird to me. I don't know why you would start at the third floor. Mm -hmm. If anything, like just if I was a killer, which I'm not everybody. <laughs> right. I'm taking the person out on the first floor first. That mm -hmm. way, if anybody wakes up, you're the quickest to the door and you got to exit. Then you go to level two, knock them out and all due respect to the families or anybody else. Then you go to the top. Like mm -hmm. starting from the top down just leaves it to where dude sounded like he either wanted to get caught or he was mm -hmm. so sure 
that he was going to make out of that house because there was a like that 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 on right. the bottom that that on the bottom's weird. It makes me think that one of the victims on the third floor was more of his target. Yeah. So because I almost gosh, and I really can't even speculate because I don't know anything more, but. I don't know if he went in there to kill all four of these victims or if he went in there to kill one and then they happen to be in the same bed. Cause how would he know they were going to stay in the same room that night? He wouldn't know that. Um, So maybe it just ends up there together and then Zana's awake. So could she have come out to see what was going on? Could he have heard her down there saying there's someone here and how else, and how would he also know that her boyfriend was over? So yeah. I almost think he went with an intended target maybe, and then ends up kind of getting in all these predicaments before he exits the house. Now the house is a very, that could make layout. sense. That yeah. could make sense. Yeah. Where it's just like he, all these things that were not, yeah. he wasn't predicting end up kind of coming together but the house is super weird layout. Like when you said you'd go in the first floor first, I think he entered on the second floor okay. because I don't know if you've looked at a picture of it. All I've, kind all, of- I, all I've seen is like where there was something leaking from a pipe or some shit. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's it. I, that's a, yes. so, so like the back, the second floor is elevated to where it has an entrance, but the soda is the first floor on the front, right? Yes. Like it's up yeah. against a hill. Yeah. And so like the back of the first floor is kind of would be underground and then the back of the second floor is above ground. So it seems, and I'm not sure how we got in, but we mm-hmm. are told in the affidavit that he exits through the second floor sliding okay. glass door, which is in the back. I don't know if he came in that door or if he came in a window. There's also a window back there that people have speculated. Well, he if he, you say that the affidavit says he exited the second floor. Yes. How does so he, he, how does he pass the girl on the bottom floor then? How does she ever see him? Um, so it's not the girl on the bottom floor that is, so there's two roommates that survive. Okay. She was just asleep in her bedroom on the first floor. I don't think uh, ever made it to the first floor. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And Makes then the girl sense. in the, on the second floor in a different bedroom. She, yes. She's okay. in the Got bedroom it. where he would pass by to get Got to Zana's bedroom and Madison's bedroom. So he so, actually never went on the first floor. It doesn't look like. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. it doesn't Makes more sound like now. he did. So he probably yeah. came in on the second floor and then exits on the second floor. They haven't said, you know, was the house targeted? Was a person targeted? I I don't know. They had stated from the very get go it was a targeted attack, but that's such a general term. And I almost was like, not, I think the police did an amazing job. I'm so glad they caught him in that moment when they said it was a targeted attack and that like people like shouldn't not, not that they said people didn't need to be worried, but they almost tried to make it seem like this was only, this only happened here. It's not going to happen to you. I wasn't okay with that because I, I think this guy, in my opinion, now that I've seen him. And kind of know a little bit more about the case. I do think he probably would have killed if he got away with it. It seems like this is something he was wanting to do. Again, he's studying criminology. He actually took a course um, at a college over in Pennsylvania because he already had his bachelor's degree. He's getting a PhD at WSU (laughs) in criminology. A fucking course he is. I know. Like, 
And the funny thing is, and it's, I mean, nothing's funny about the case, but he was doing this PhD at WSU. He had just started, this was his first semester. So he started on August and then finished his first semester in, in December before he got arrested. But he wanted to go in the affidavit says he wanted to go into like data analytics. And I'm like, he, you wanted to go into data, but you passed in your own car, this house multiple times. You didn't think there would be like technological data via video surveillance. Do you know the time period from when he started passing until he parked? I don't know that off the top of my head, but I do think it's probably in there. He had passed a bunch of times and like, I think they kind of have a timeline from when he left his house. He turns off his phone at 2.47 a.m. And he's 12 miles away? Yes. And then he does actually, so his phone is never pinging in the area that the victim's house is in. So he keeps his phone off or in airplane mode from then until almost it's about 3 a.m. to about 5 a.m. where yeah. he keeps his phone off. Now, the murders happened really quickly. So he parked at 4.04 a.m. And he was seen driving away quickly by 4.20 a.m. So that is 16 minutes. And, and DoorDash got there at 4. At 4. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I think that person's connected. So they have talked to him and they, he actually came forward when the whole thing happened and said, uh, hey, I just delivered a DoorDash there. And they probably saw him on surveillance and they have cleared him. So, I mean, it's such a short timeline and all this stuff. And almost that DoorDash does lead me to believe kind of like I said, and again, this is just my theory and I try not to theorize too much, but just based on the facts, uh, who ordered who, who ordered the DoorDash? It was Zana, the okay. one who I think maybe had just up. come yeah. into contact with him. Maybe yeah. she was going out to grab her DoorDash. Like, did she grab her DoorDash the second it got there? Did she, she wait a few seconds? Like, I always have my DoorDash or leave it on my door. Yeah, and then I'll too. go pick it up in a minute after they're gone. Yeah. So did she pick it up right away and she's back in her bedroom before Brian comes into the house? Or could she have been going out to get it? And somehow they kind of come face to face. I'm not sure. I wonder, I wonder if I wonder if like her ordering DoorDash that late at night coming home to the bar was like a regular thing. And this dude was mm-hmm. just waiting on the DoorDash order that night to be placed. Maybe. Like if he was stalking them, he yeah, might know yeah. their like specific. Like t- yeah, because it, it he didn't just pick a random house. Yeah. Uh, I, there, there's no way. And yeah. when that sounds like he had stalked them to the point to where they knew they were going to order DoorDash at night mm-hmm. and he would wait until then to where they were vulnerable. Yeah. And if, if like, you know, they're all the targets that yeah. could be a possible, it's so hard because there are so many possibilities. They had, like, they we had just no con- want to know what happened. Did they have any connection that the police know about? Like from the they, killer to zero? They have not said that. They okay. Do. As of now, in the rest affidavit or anything, it doesn't. They didn't allude to the fact that they thought they did. Now, there might be some little connection here or there. Yeah. Uh, it definitely isn't someone who they knew well. Maybe they didn't know at all, but he knew of them. You know, there's so many things that could be. They're in kind of the same general vicinity. He is like, I he is like a big time vegan, which is weird, right? So you're a He's vegan. He's a vegan? You, yes. 
So you very much care about animals and you don't want to do all this stuff because of animals, but you're going to kill four people. Like it was, I'll guarantee you it comes down to rejection. Yeah. Like I'll, from I, them or a, just from his life? I, I think that he would have picked somebody else. I think this is a female that has rejected this dude. Maybe even did it publicly. Did it in a way where dude got embarrassed and that's what happened. And that, and that would have been the main target. I think if it would have been just his whole life sucked, you don't go 12 miles out of your way and go through the whole process. I think it would if it was your whole life that you were just got pissed off and want to kill somebody, I think you find something that's convenient and you just lose your shit. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's that. very odd. Yeah. So, like, I do think he was... And by the way, and by, his... and, and by the way, if she rejected, it was probably for a good fucking reason. Let me, let me say that. Yeah, like, not it, victim yeah. blaming. Yeah, I'm not victim. No, no, no. Yeah. He probably got rejected for a good fucking reason. Well, because he was a creep. He was yeah. a little weirdo. Um, so he deserved to be rejected. But absolutely, I'm not sure if they really knew of him, or maybe you know it was something as simple as a couple of the girls did work at like a, I don't know, a restaurant that I think kind of maybe had some more like natural or healthy food. So people have speculated, maybe he saw them there. I don't know, but you know, I'm sure just being kind of in the same general area, he ends up knowing of them. Yeah. I, and I'm not sure who was the target. I'm not sure why he chose it they didn't really release any of that but just as a criminology student he made he did the weirdest stuff to me because you would just think they would be smarter and i kind of hate when people give that narrative like he's a really intelligent guy yeah. well no he killed four people he got caught in six weeks it's, he's it's not usually, that intelligent it's usually the smartest people that end up doing the dumbest shit because they think they're going to get away with it 100 percent, yes they think they're smarter than everybody yeah so they kind of take that and they do these crazy things. He, you know, he had Pennsylvania license plates. And then right after the murders, he ends up changing the license plates to Washington state license plates. And it was just funny to me because I'm like, did you think that would get you like not connected? Because then you'd have a different driver's license number because they can tell where the driver's license number if that got changed yeah. and then is this new number like he just did so many weird things that i'm like i think he was a little odd now it is it was speculated that through kind of his high well, not even speculated people have come out that knew him and he was um like a big time he was addicted to heroin throughout high school I, say um, say, say that again. Get, say that again. You broke up real bad. Okay. He was addicted to heroin throughout okay. high school there is what a lot of people have come out and said. And it was kind of during that time where he gets really like disassociated. A lot of people said he started to kind of act crazier than like was comfortable, you know, so people start to kind of pull away from him um, and things just get a little odd for him. And I, I'm not saying that has to do with the drugs. It's just kind of a period in his life where I think a lot started to change for him. I think he was already dealing with these 
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Mental health things, but, you know, that's as much as I really know about his background. Um, But yeah, they're just able to ping so many things. And then they did kind of track him as he left um, Washington and went to Pennsylvania. And they follow him there for a little while. um, And they're able to serve it, survey him, um, throwing trash in his neighbor's trash can by his parents' house around 4 a.m. once. Um, And then they actually get trash from his house and they connect the DNA on the button of the sheath to his father. It's his father's DNA that they end up comparing it to. And it comes back as like a 99.999 whatever chance that the perp was this kid's biological, was this man, the father's biological kid have that has he come out and like confessed or anything or is he fighting the charges no so his defense attorney like his public defender he was appointed in pennsylvania before extradition came out and said that he was anxious to come back to idaho and be exonerated and then his parents made a statement saying you know saying that they're very sorry for the victim's families um but that they're going to support their son in proving his innocence. Now this was b- before the affidavit came out. So okay. I'm not sure what they're thinking as more um, evidence comes out. I'll be I feel their kids bad. fucking stupid. I know. I feel so bad for his family because I, you know, I don't like when people say that and I, and you I get, don't. no, I don't. Uh, I don't feel bad for your family. I, I think that this guy, I also am super big into the death penalty. Like, uh-huh. Idaho has it. Good. I hope y'all fucking do. Uh, Uh I think that it's supposed to be an eye for an eye when it comes down to this. Like, I understand why people need to sit on death row for a while. New evidence can come out. There's been too many people. I just ended up watching this movie. If you have not seen it, you would love it. It's called Trial by Fire. Um, Uh And it's about a person that was on murder or on um, death row for a long ass time for killing his three daughters in a fire. and And he didn't do it. Mm, and and yep. they don't find out till after he's been executed that he didn't do it. Yeah. But for somebody like this dickhead, fucking throw everything at him. Like when you know that they're done, the second, mm-hmm. like if he ever says, Hey, I fucked up, I did it, kill that bitch the next day. Yeah. So it's funny because, like, my opinion on the death penalty is that it's a very gray area in general. I probably think it shouldn't be a thing because of wrongful convictions and like you said wrongful people getting executed but with that opinion that it probably shouldn't be around for that reason when we do have it like we do in idaho i am okay with it being done to these people like we're also going through the lori and chad daybell case which i don't know anyone who listens (laughs) probably most of your listeners will know they're terrible terrible people but Um, It's a huge case that will probably be going on this year. And so like with them and then this Brian guy, like, yeah, even though I'm probably not for the death penalty in general, when it happens to people like this, I'm like, all right, I'm okay with that. I think when there's not a shadow of a doubt, fucking kill them. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, like it, when you know yeah, that like, they're this false. There's a there's a thing that uh if you're a registered nurse, you have to take uh I know in Georgia, I imagine it's fucking everywhere though. It's called the NCLEX. And uh, I used okay. to I used to date this girl and she was telling us uh, at one point in time the hardest thing about the NCLEX is figuring out like how to prioritize this person's going to get better. This person's going to get worse. Who do we take mm -hmm. care of first? Whatever. And like they have their own system for it or whatever. I think it ought to be the same way with capital, like capital crimes. Like if there is a 100% chance that you did it, fuck them up. If there's yeah, a, if there's I'm, a 50% chance, give them 10 years on death row. If nothing as new as came out in 10 years, bye. Like, <laughs> if it, but it, it could go lower. If there's only a 20% chance. Then, uh -huh. yeah, give them give them enough time give them 15 20 years on death row to see if anything comes <laughs> forward but anything up there that is close to certainty fuck that kill them i know when it's certain i am definitely okay with it yeah. but it's such a gray area and so hard because the justice system is so complicated but i'm with it's you on stupid the 100 yeah it's it's it the justice system is definitely far from perfect. i don't I, I don't know if you have seen this documentary but and I'm gonna say their name wrong. Uh, I need to look it up on my phone. It's about a family. It's like the the McDonoughs or some shit like that. It's I think it's called Low Country on HBO. Low um, Country. Um. Anyway, it's it's about a community that's not far from where I live. Okay. And, and these family, like they've had a solicitor for the past hundred years, be the head of their family and the head of their county. And now in the okay. past, in the past two years or three years, almost, um, the mother and father were executed, um, oh after the son was driving a boat and it killed a girl. Uh, okay. It's okay, so yes. low country. But wait, isn't it the brother and the mom who were executed yeah, and yeah. people well, thought the dad did it or is he they, dead now too? They won't say it. The dad got shot okay. at. The dad got shot at, but he's in prison now. But oh, he's, yeah. But he's in prison for something completely different. Yes, um, because I think he did get shot at, but he, it ended yep. up being this scam. Yeah, Isn't it that was. what he's in that, prison for? Yeah, yeah it's, called yes. low, it's called Low Country okay. on HBO Max. It's Low Country, the the McDonough dynasty. Or however the okay, I have not watched that. I need I, to. Dude, um, I, I have just, heard about the case. I just watched it. Like in the past week, fuck. Like, but but the, yeah. you you saying that, yeah, you know that our our juve or whatever it is, our justice system's kind of whatever. Like this yes. shows how bad it is. Oh yeah, because isn't that guy's family like really? Like they're the they're lawyers, or they're really involved politically. Li and literally, everyone that has been the head of their family, the grandpa, whatever, for the past hundred something years, they've been the that pretty much what we have down here with solicitors, the district attorney. So yeah, th and this fight is like, yes, this family has got out of more shit than anybody. And now like people are fucking killing. But see, there was even a story in there that it's, it's not about their family. It's about the potential of one of them being gay and then uh -huh. killing a guy that was going to out them for being gay that they oh were messing around gosh. with dude it's so good mm. it's one of my favorite yeah, i need to go it's one of my favorite docs i've watched in a while i need to go watch that documentary because it, yeah it is shocking i think people really don't think it happens that much but no like things do happen where people are protected or they're they're so, high up and it's why do we protect people like that like evil is well, evil take well, them down
I don't think we protect them. I think that what people get confused about it is, is when you invent the game, you get to invent the rules. Yeah. So it's like just people in the system. Yeah. So that's that what it is. Yeah. Like people want to say, you know, certain people are more privileged or whatever when it comes to crime or whatever um, about getting away with shit. And I don't think that it's that. But when you're literally the person who got to set the rules, mm-hmm. you also know how to wiggle your way out of those rules. When you're that's con- true. If I get in trouble right now, my ass is going. If I kill somebody, I'm I'm going to prison. Same. You know, I mean, I, I'm yeah. going to prison. But but if my grandpas had been solicitors of the county, and the whole community knew them and how powerful they were, yeah, you're going to get away with whatever the fuck you want to. I think he froze oh, up. Which is yeah. just terrible. It it's is. It's infuriating. Oh, it, I did. Yeah. You're good now. It really is. So uh, let me ask you, what is the feel now back in Idaho since this dude's been caught? Is like everybody just, they know that it was him or anybody was like, I could have told you it was this guy or like, what, what's the atmosphere there regarding this case now? Um, I feel like people are relieved in a way that, he's behind bars because even I mean maybe and maybe it sounds so ridiculous but even being hours away where I'm at it just really put me on edge and not because I thought this specific guy was going to come over here I mean I I I get on edge and then I, I take steps to be more aware but it really like smacked me in the face with like this can happen everywhere which I already knew but I think it just like put it back in everyone's face. Like here's a reminder that like this can happen. So I think him being caught is somewhat of a relief, especially for the people in Moscow. I, I, because I, I think I worded that wrong. I think, cause I think everybody could understand that they're relieved. What I meant yeah. was like, let's say where we're from, somebody gets locked up and everybody's mm-hmm. like, you'll have a certain group of folks that just don't believe that it happened or whatever. And they're like, free this person do you have anybody oh, okay. you got anybody in that community that's like this isn't our guy like this isn't I have, who did it i have not seen okay. that anyone is and i'm sure there's i feel like there's always kind of people on every side but i haven't seen much of anything saying that they think he's innocent now i have seen a lot of things saying that they think he might get off so there's people who are like, oh, he did it. We, like you see the affidavit, it's clear he's going to get convicted. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of people saying they don't think there's enough evidence there. They think he might be too intelligent or too involved with the criminology stuff that he might find a way to get out of it. So those are kind of the two things I'm really seeing. And But we can't know all the things that the police have. Yeah. This is one simple arrest affidavit his DNA is on that. I'm sure as they go through this investigation, they are going to find a lot more DNA evidence as well as other evidence that connects him so, to it. That's outside. So all they found in the house though, of his DNA was just the, the, the case that the knife goes in. Um, well, that's the only source that they put into the arrest affidavit. Okay. So like I said, okay. I'm not sure if they found it anywhere else under fingernails on the victims. Uh, okay, um, okay, but okay. now that they have their guy, I think even if that is his only source of DNA in the home, I think what they'll be looking for right now is they look through his car, his apartment, all of that is any of the victims DNA in yeah. his car. 
in, you know, into the stuff. They would have to be four people stabbed to death. Yeah. There's got to be blood somewhere. Yeah. I highly doubt he could get his car that clean. Isn't what that, isn't what that were, they were saying was leaking out of the side of the house. So people were speculating because they're, is on the wall that Xana's bedroom was on yep. and it looks like it's kind of coming from behind the siding mm-hmm. and then down onto the concrete. And it was speculated that this could be blood. Now I have no idea. Police okay. haven't said, but I, from what I saw is that that wasn't there before the murders and it was after, I mean, you never, you never if it know. Is, if it ends up being blood, that just shows the amount it would be. There's DNA yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, even if you just think about it, four people stabbed to death. It said yeah. they all had multiple stab wounds, so they were brutally murdered. It was a very bloody crime scene. So, yeah, and he was obviously, he he got into his car with their blood on him. Yeah. So it comes down to a matter of, did he clean it all? Um, he probably thought he did, but I think they can get DNA from such a tiny, tiny, tiny. If- if it's, if it's in a car, you would have to take the seats out because it's yeah. go, it's gonna leak down into the the cushioning that's underneath the the, the right. top of it. You could bleach the shit out of it, and I'll guarantee, guarantee there's still gonna be some there. Yeah, and I I have a feeling in Pennsylvania when he traveled home for Christmas that he was probably going to try and get rid of the car there. Yeah, I just have a feeling if he would have come back to Idaho he would not have brought that car with him because it had become that car became such a big part of the investigation. It was the one thing police put out asking for the public to look for. And he probably didn't expect that clearly since he didn't think driving his car to the scene was a problem apparently. Um, So I think his plan was likely to get rid of the car. So I doubt, I, I, I bet, like you said, they're going to find something. See, I, see, like, I'm such an asshole that this is what I almost want to happen. Mm-hmm. I almost want this dude to get off and run into one of these girls' dads. I, just I, so they can have some. Yeah, just so they can have fucking. See, that to me, you know, I like I said earlier, I believe in eye for an eye. Because uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I'll go and tell you, I'm going to prison for the rest of my life if anybody fucks with my daughter. Like I, I have said that same I, thing. That I, I will promise you, and I'm not going to do it in a nice way. And then I will mm. turn myself in. I will do it publicly so the rest of the world knows. Don't ever mess yeah. with that child again. So, like, I would, I really want something bad to happen to this dude. I wish that's how the justice, justice system works. Like, well, I, once I, they're convicted, give the families or the dads yeah. an hour with him. That's it. Give uh, them an hour. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, you wouldn't have criminals anymore. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the Like the old West, you didn't hear about none of this shit back then. Like, or even in Roman times and shit like that, you still got countries that cut off hands if you get caught stealing. And let yeah. me tell you, if, if our country, I know a lot of people want to put the death penalty down. They want to put down years in prison and all this other kind of stuff. If you were to just give somebody what they took from you, oh mm-hmm. God, tomorrow crime would stop. If your if your punishment went from oh I've got to do a year in jail for a chance at a million dollars of stealing a million dollars from a bank or whatever and you got told uh since you tried to steal from a bank you know you took a gun in there what gun twelve gauge 
fine. I'm gonna fucking blow your gut open with a 12 gauge. All right, crime. Yeah, crime stops tomorrow. <laughs> we're too soft. We're too fucking soft on it. My husband has definitely um said things the same. Like he's yeah. very much on your side, where he's like punishments need to be more severe because be. nobody is scared. Um. And like it, it literally, I totally get what you're saying. I think in these cases of like these brutal people or anything that has to do with a child, like we should make it more uh, punishable. I wish the justice system was like a, what I don't know, was got- more perfect to where you could know, like these people are being rightfully. So when my, when my, when my business started like seven years ago, uh, mm-hmm. I saw when I started in social media like seven years ago, some of the first t-shirts and stuff we were put out was like, uh, I, I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but it was talking about killing pedophiles. It was, uh-huh. it, it was talking about killing them. And this one dude had the balls to one time and started, start a, start an argument with me about it or whatever. And I was like, I've never heard where a pedophile was reformed. I've never heard a success uh-huh. story from a no. fucking pedophile. Never once have I ever heard a guy so, who did 20 years in jail then comes out and doesn't repeat. Somebody like that, you know how much better our world would be uh-huh. if, we, if we just off them motherfuckers? Yeah, 100%. Be, like child sexual predators are the least, like sexual predators in general are very hard to rehabilitate, let alone child sex offenders. I'm not sure if you just saw, um, and you probably didn't, but I just put out a video. I don't even know if I did share it on Instagram. I think I did, but I put out a video because a guy who went to our high school, he just got convicted of um, sharing, he ended up getting charged with child exploitation, but he distributed um, child pornography and had Kill accessed him. it multiple times yeah well you know want to know what he got first of all i was really pissed about this whole situation because this guy went to our high school so he threw just a chance he was in town a couple summers ago and he randomly through mutual friends was at my house once for the yeah. super bowl i have two kids two daughters and then at a cabin where we went and did this like overnight stay. There was a ton of people that went there. Thankfully, my kids are like always in my sight. They sleep, it, they slept in the bedroom with me at the cabin and whatnot. But it was disgusting to me that this guy was around us. So I was really pissed. Now, when he got arrested, I put stuff out there like be aware because people hide in plain sight and it's yeah. not people you expect. And people came for me in yeah. defense of him. Fuck they them felt people. so bad for him i know and none of my friends like all my friends hated him but these are random people i knew in town or like that maybe i knew a decade ago in high school and like people messaged me and said like you might really be hurting his feelings more than you realize by sharing this i don't his feelings if i'm hurting his feelings yeah i do not care and so i've waited this was a year and a half ago he's been out on bell in town all of this time multiple people have run across him and he just barely got convicted. So I put out a video just being like, I told you so. And if you defended him or if you even liked the comments, because there were people who didn't want to put a comment defending him. But I went through and looked at who liked the comments defending him. I'm like, I remember who you are. I yeah. know who you are. And like, you should feel stupid because he is guilty. He got convicted. But the really frustrating thing, and I don't, I think this is a problem everywhere, but it's definitely a problem in Idaho is 
he only got a one to seven year sentence. Not only that, but it's a writer program. So a writer program you have to complete in like a year. You're not in the part of the prison that's quite as scary. Everyone in the writer program is kind of acting good. Like no one's going to be mean to you because they all want to complete the program and get out. So he'll actually be eligible for parole if he finishes that writer program within six months to a year. I would rather him be around gang members and get butt fucked to death. Literally. Hey, I have no sympathy. If you none, if you fuck with children, if mm-hmm. you fuck with children, you're the worst type of piece of shit that's ever yeah. walked this earth. And yeah. I, I'm a Christian. I'm not a very good one, but <laughs> I even think that the good Lord be on my side because if there's mm-hmm. angels, if there's angels in this world, there's fucking demons too. And it is, sure. it is, it is your job. If you believe in what you believe in and you're supposed to be protecting the kids, you don't let pieces of shit like that back out. No. And my jail source, because I found out all the information before it came out in the news from a girl who booked him into the jail. Um, and I know her and she was telling me he was really scared and stuff. But the thing is, is they hold him in another cell so that he doesn't get paper checked when he walks in. So they hold him there for like 10 days and then they bring him into the regular place without his papers. And I'm like, don't protect them. Like, I wish, you know, it wasn't her fault. But it's like, why? Why? Why save him from being paper checked? Let him get paper checked. If he gets beat up, okay. Like, that is what happens. And to put in perspective, one of the videos he shared was of a baby as young as one years old. Fucking so, murder him. Yeah. Yeah. So I was because i have a baby you know right now she's about to turn two i was like absolutely no hate this guy that's disgusting and he's only gonna be in jail guarantee watch he will get out in six months because he looks 12 years old he goes to church he's hasn't doesn't have any priors and they're just gonna let him out and like you said sexual predators of children are often not rehabilitated they're not they're not ever gonna fucking change None. You know what I hope though? You know what? I hope he does the six months. I hope he gets out and I hope one of them daddies or one of them mamas, because there's some badass mamas in this world. Mm -hmm. I hope they fuck like he's a guy. This is going to make me sound like a horrible human being. Probably he's, (laughs) he's a guy that I hope gets found in a fucking ditch and the police are like, whatever, you know, like, okay. Yeah. Whatever. You know, you got what you get. Well, my um, husband's brother, He's like a really big dude. Like he's yeah. really tall. He weighs like, I don't even know. I'm not, I don't know. He's just yeah. a big dude. A big and fucker. He, yeah. And he <laughs> is also, he's confrontational and he does not put up with stuff. And he was a very mad that this guy, like, yeah. you know, nothing happened to my kids. I know for a fact, cause they were with me, but it's just gross to think of what that person could have been thinking of your kids. So he was really pissed that, he was around yep. his that, nieces, my kids. Yeah. And he's like, if he gets out in less than five years, I will break his kneecaps. I yeah. will be at his front door. I will do something yeah. because this is not okay. Tell your brother-in-law, I'll come help him. Yeah. Right? yeah I mean, right. Yeah. Because that, that's the thing. Like, even if this dude does not commit another crime, every time that he sees a kid, you, you know yeah. it's not going to take but one time for the mm-hmm. dude to snap. 
Mm-hmm. It, I mean, but that's anybody that is wired that way. And then I know that I, every time I get on this subject, I hear these fucking excuses from people who are like, you didn't know what he went through as a kid. Well, you know what? If that's the case, we're stopping generational fucking raping right now. All right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to stop it. I hate that this kid went through it, but it produced somebody that was going to do it to others. So fuck him and fuck his family. Yeah. Well, we talk about that like on a podcast a lot where you can feel bad for the person as a child if they went through trauma. I'm not sure that he did. I've never heard about it. But if they went through something like that, feel bad for them as a kid. But once they become an adult and they make these choices, it's kind of even the same with this Idaho murder suspect. So many people are feeling bad for him because he was bullied in high school and he was weird and he was rejected. Feel bad for the kid at that point. But when they become an adult that makes decisions that harm others on like this huge level, screw them. I don't, I don't, I don't don't care. I don't use that as an excuse. And I know you don't either. Like you, you have people that have been bullied that turned their whole life into an anti-bully program. Yeah, exactly. You you have people that I grew up in a house that my parents smoked cigarettes. I've never smoked cigarettes because of it. Exactly. And I know it's completely different things, but when you're put in a situation, it does make you, but it's either can make you for the positive or it can make you for the fucking negative. Yeah. People use that shit as an excuse. You don't look, you don't look back at Columbine fucking almost 30 years later and you're like oh these kids got bullied i feel bad for them no you feel bad for the fucking families who got their kids took from them way too early in life because oh you got picked on i really hate that we should have addressed that then but the second you take another person's life or you hurt another person fuck you i hope the worst things in life happen to you 100 percent. the second that happens like the empathy is gone like you had empathy before you made those choices but then as an adult you have you have to make the choices to be a good person, break yeah. that cycle. And yeah, they just have you have no you ever excuse. have you ever seen like the videos on TikTok to where you'll get like a I know I just recently saw this young lady. I wish I could recall her name. Um, she was crying because she had always been told she was unattractive. She was a bigger girl, she was just okay. very upset, and so many people messaged her or commented on her video or shared her video and was like darling nobody no matter what anybody has told you you're beautiful you're Mm -hmm. you're beautiful that is when if you were bullied or whatever make it public that it was and let people come to your aid and remind you Mm -hmm. that you're worth it you don't fucking take it to the next step that that's just that's not an excuse it's not a fucking excuse yeah and like you said like you know, we do need to address bullying and we do need to need to address like mental health and stuff. But we have to remember that teenagers and kids like some they're just selfish assholes. They don't have the capacity to understand how their actions are affecting others. They can be taught. We can work on it. But sometimes like I've always heard teenagers really live in the moment, like yeah. nothing outside of this five minutes right now matters like they Everything about what's happening to them right then is so huge. Your your brain's not fully developed. You don't know the consequences of your actions yet. You think that mommy and daddy's going to get you out of whatever you're in. There's a reason why people are treated like children that are children and adults are treated like adults. You're not Mm -hmm. mentally capable of understanding your actions at the moment. I've done a lot of stupid shit when I was young. I've done a lot. Like I, I was a bully for a little while of my life. And Mm -hmm. I've been bullied for a little bit Mm -hmm. of my life when I was younger. And let me tell you, it's in the moments you don't know what's really going on. 
exactly. And I've said this on my podcast a lot is like, I look back at some of the things that I did in high school and I was probably part, I what not probably, I was a part of like a meaner yeah. crowd. And I look at some of my, those friends and some of them grew up to still be mean girls. And then you disassociate with that as you get older. But yeah. like back then in high school, I wasn't thinking of how my actions or my words affected people. But what, no. what really, like when you become an adult, you can kind of look back on that and think like, gosh, I wish that didn't happen. I remember driving by this one girl's house who I had said something rude to in high school and or I think I was even in middle school they're even worse like you're just so young and stupid and my husband said oh that's so-and-so's house and it like broke my heart because you could just tell um that she came from a rough and hard home and I was just like I feel so guilty that was kind of this point in my life where I was like our actions like affect people and we never know what someone's going through. So as an adult, yes, I can look at that. I can change how I act. I can like regret anything rude I did. But as a teenager, I was, I was never thinking of that. Uh, We can try to teach our children. And I do try to teach my children. Like people are going through things and bullying is not okay, but bullying gives you no excuse because All those teenagers are probably going through something. They all feel like they're going through something. And a lot of times bullies bully because they're bullied at home. Yeah, no shit. So hurt hurt people try to hurt people. Exactly. So it's not this like, oh, they were bullied. Oh, I feel so bad that they murdered four people. No, plenty of people have had it worse and they've made like great changes in their life and became a great person. The Idaho killer or whatever the fuck he's going to go by. Uh Uh-huh. He's going to go down as just a piece of shit that wanted to murder somebody. And, sure. and he just waited. I mean, even his past is him being in criminal or whatever it is, him, mm-hmm. him going through all the shit he went through. He yeah. was waiting on the opportunity. Then he thought, so. then he was thought he was smarter than everybody fucking else. And yeah, he's not. Surprise. There's people that have been doing it for 30 years, detectives and whatever else. <laughs> DNA don't lie. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, fuck that guy. I no, hope I, I, all the worst things in the world happen to him. Me too. I agree with you 100% that he was waiting for the opportunity. I didn't say that seven months, I think, if I'm right on that, but about seven months before the murders, he put out this um, questionnaire This for his studies, he said. I almost think it was in preparation to murder someone one day, but he's asking all these really weird questions. And it's about if what kind of shit. So it's like he I'm going to kind of look on here and see if I have it. But he um, he was asking for people who have committed a crime. You had to have committed a crime and gotten away with it to participate. It was going to be completely anonymous. All of this stuff. Was was this a school Um, thing? Because what he was in school for? Yeah, so he posted it through DeSales University, but I think he himself came up with the questions. Like, I think he said he was doing it for school, for research, but really, it's just weird. Like, one of the questions, like, how did you leave the scene before leaving? Is there anything else you did? All these things about, like, how did you feel? What steps did you take? Why did you target that home? What, like, did you clean up? Did I? 
it was just really weird to look through knowing seven months later he murdered four people in their premeditated yeah. murder. Yeah, that's absolutely. all this fucking is. This guy planned this shit out. Mm-hmm. He stalked the family or stalked the girls and the guy. Mm-hmm. And he waited until the Uber driver was gone. He waited till a night that he knew they were going to go out. He might have even been there before. I'll bet you he is almost thought he was going to do it another night. Oh, he it is confirmed in the affidavit yep. that he I, went to that home multiple didn't times. Didn't even have to know. Before. Yeah. And yep. he also came back at nine in the morning and passed by the home again. He's waiting to see if anybody noticed it or had yeah. they noticed it by I, then. I think there's two things that could have happened that either he was coming back because he wanted to see if, you know, they had found them yet or he realized he lost that knife sheet and maybe he was thinking, I need to go get that. But I think it's most likely he was probably coming to see if they had found the victims yet. Yeah. Yeah. That dude was, it's, it's too much. He knew yeah. exactly. Yeah. They, so uh, then I wonder, did, you go into criminology in the first place because you knew you had these thoughts. You knew you wanted to do this one day. I, I just dude, can't believe he had a full on bachelor's degree and is going to get his PhD. This, like, du- this dude had watched too many movies is what it is. Yeah. Th- this dude thought if he had the education that the officer did, that he could do exactly what they do. He mm-hmm. would, he would know how to do something they would miss right. or throw something, uh, uh, something in the wheels that are turning to try to jam them up. He, he thought <laughs> he could, but yeah. if you're fucking stupid, you're fucking stupid. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, that dude, he, knew he exactly is. what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, I'll make a bet with you. I'll make a bet with you. I'll okay. give you I'll give you a rundown real fast. I'm gonna pull, I'm putting my genie hat on right here. He was they're gonna find out that where he ever the girl worked with the healthy food mm-hmm. that he had went and ate several times. He had asked her out on a date or something like that. She'd rejected him. Or something along those lines. Then he starts keeping up with her, finds her on social media, all that shit, finds out where she lives, see that there's a party. Either goes to the party or don't, so he knows exactly the layout of the house. and Or he just might have been in there by himself before or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's targeted one girl. That one girl, and because of the layout of the house, everybody else is just collateral damage, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's exactly what it is. I think there's a strong possibility of that. Yes, that one person was the target and um, things ended up happening where he kills four people. And I'm curious to see what they find out on him. Maybe he's done something like this before. I mean, I've thought that, but then I kind of go back to how stupid he was. This is first time. But I think if he got caught, he would have. Yeah. Oh, sorry. If he did not get get caught, caught, he would have done it again. Yeah. Yeah. Because somebody's got that build up in them. Like, yeah. So, yeah. With everything that we was talking about with the bullying and all the other shit, the addiction that he went through, hey, this dude was just waiting on an opportunity, is what it was. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Like, and the I, second, and the second he got his feelings hurt, he was like, you know what? It's your bad day because I've been waiting on somebody to hurt my feelings. So yeah. I'm going to take it out on you. Yeah. It's, it's so devastating that people just like wreak this kind of have like havoc. I, I will never understand why someone takes someone else's life. I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you why in our day and age, why people do it. I think Mm -hmm. we've made the killers cool. Mm. Like Dahmer. Mm -hmm. As much as I enjoyed watching that whole series and everything, Mm -hmm. the 
We've made them cool. Even even somebody from my perspective, Jesse James. Jesse James is one of the baddest son of bitches that ever lived. But he was an outlaw. He did bad shit. We glorify these people. Mm-hmm. Charlie Charles Manson. We glorify all these people. So now it's like, you know what? If I'm going to go kill some people and I'm going to let that inner animal out of me, I'm going to let that rage out of me, whatever I'm letting out of me. It's okay because I'm going to be immortalized. They're going to make movies about me. People are going to talk about right. me forever. Like we talk about them like they didn't take innocent lives and they didn't yes. kill people. Yeah. And I do think the narrative like with that has to change. I've been happy to see in the true crime community somewhat of a shift. At least people are pushing for a shift to have it not be killer focused, but yeah. be victim focused, which is what we obviously try to do on our podcast um, and focus on the victims and their lives and you know, while, while you can look into the background of these killers for the psychology of it all, we do have to step away from talking about these killers and like being so interested in them in this way that we kind of think they're cool. Like you said, like, I don't, all the serial killers to me, I think they're a bunch of assholes and I hate them, but I've seen things where I think I saw this one girl's post long ago before I was even involved in podcasting. And she had done up her entire kitchen in Jeffrey Dahmer decor. And it's like, he was like a serial killing cannibal. Like that is terrible. But that was the narrative, I think, for a long time. Um, So I hope to see that shift even more where we can talk about the psychology of them, but not really focus on their lives and not make the story about them. Because I always, I mean, think about it. Like, can you think, let's think of a big killer, Ted Bundy. Yeah. We know his name, but do, can we name any of his victims' names? Not off the top of my head. No, mine either. And I'm in this world. I've never covered his case. Otherwise I would, because I would have researched that. But that's kind of like the, push I'm really looking for is like make these cases we let's remember them with the victims names instead of remembering Dahmer and Bundy and you know like John Wayne Gacy like off the top of your head you likely cannot think of any of their victims names Mm -hmm. and that's where things have to shift absolutely well ma'am I sure appreciate you taking some time and I think of course and we hit on some good shit yeah and uh Tell them where they can find your show and the name of your show. And your don't you have a co-show host now too? Um, well, I do have a co-host. It's yeah. my mom, actually. Okay. It's like generational um, where I got into tr- crime really generationally. Like my grandma was obsessed with Dateline. And then so my mom was, and then I was. And so it's kind of ran in my maternal line. So my mom is my co-host. Um, she's kind of helps with the discussion so that we can kind of break it up um, and s- discuss things in there. But yes, my show is called True Crime Exposed. It can be found on whatever podcast app you listen on. You know, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, and yeah, it's we cover cases, new cases each week. Um, and we do try to stay really victim focused. I have a lot of episodes um, where I am involved with victims' families. They come on there and they'll help me themselves tell their stories. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I hope you keep doing a damn good job. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Seems, seems Thanks like you, for having me on the show. Seems like you've grown a lot since uh, being on there beginning of last year. I want to say it was. 
For that- sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was so nervous last year when I came on. Like I remember it was one of my first interviews and I remember being terrified. So no, I'm glad to be back and I'm glad we finally made it happen. Well, you had to quit dodging me. I mean, I, I, <laughs> well, anyway, well, uh, well, thank you for coming. And uh, if you ever need anything, be sure to let us know over here. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, thank y'all for listening to the Josh Terry podcast. Y'all check out True Crimes Exposed with Miss Kayla. And if y'all need anything, give me a shout. Love y'all.